Drop that beat. Uh. Y'all can rap if you want to. Ah. Uh. Mm. Uh, 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 uh. Larry Page has the same rap every time. <laughs> hey. Hey. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stay at the wall. <laughs> Come on, you two. Who is that? It's LL Cool LL J. Cool J, yeah. When I'm alone in my room, I never, <laughs> I never grew up on. I never liked rap music when See, I was a kid. I just, DC man. I just like Go Go. I like Go Go and slow jams. That was it. Hey everybody, welcome to the Keep Battle Podcast and thank each and every one of you for your support. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for tuning in today, wherever you are. And uh, before we get into our content and conversation today, I'd like to answer a question that came in to, to us from our website from Janelle King. Janelle says, hi, Pastor Battle. I'm a member of Zion and enjoy listening to your podcast also i can remember when i was younger some of my older family members saying they will have to answer for that when they get to heaven in reference to sin or wrongdoing i always wondered if god forgives us will we really answer to him for our sins when we get to heaven um, keep doing what you're doing and have a great day so thank you janelle let me quickly try to answer that by explaining the difference between what happens to Christians when they die and what happens to people who are unbelievers. And there are two places of judgment that people go when they die. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. That's everybody. Everybody's going to get judged after they die. Christians go to a place called the Bema Seat or the Judgment Seat of Christ. And that's a judgment for our works. It's not a judgment for our sins. Our sins have already been paid for by Jesus Christ. And at that judgment, our works are evaluated as to whether or not they were pure. Which is very important with the conversation we're going to have today. Because it's really a judgment of motives in our works. And at that judgment, we get either rewards or we have... Uh, it's a judgment about rewards and how will we be honored by God for eternity. And some people will lose rewards as well. The judgment for people who are unbelievers is called the great white throne judgment. It's in Revelation chapter 11. And it is a judgment, Revelation chapter 20. Mm -hmm. And it is a judgment for sins. And in that judgment, it is determined how much you suffer for eternity in the lake of fire. And so if somebody's telling you, you're going to have to answer for that when you get to heaven. That is an oxymoronic statement because you don't answer for sin when you get to heaven. Uh, but you will answer for sin if you don't have Jesus in your life, which provides the way to heaven. So that's my belief on that. One judgment is for rewards. The other one is for retribution, for punishment. Hopefully that helps make sense. All right. Today we're covering a subject that I have developed an appreciation for over the last five years. It's the subject of social justice. Um, I grew up a teenager. And when I was a teenager, in fact, when I was 12 years old, I started studying like uh, Louis Farrakhan really hard. I, did, I, would, I didn't grow up in church. And so I considered myself a black nationalist by the time I was 13, 14 years old. And I would walk through the school hall saying, down with the white man's education. And <laughs> this, 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 so you're talking about, this is 1978. This is long before Black Lives Matter. I mean, I, was, I wasn't MLK. I was like Stokely Carmichael kind of stuff. You know, just, it was me and a guy named Jose Riggins and Anthony Butler. And we was just like, we had a little circle. And we just say, look, look. I couldn't even watch TV without like 
like like if I watch Good Times, everybody mm-hmm. be laughing a little. And I look at JJ say, look what Whitey did to his mind. Uh-huh. Look how he, look how they look how they look at that Uncle Tom handkerchief his. I, I couldn't enjoy anything. I saw everything through a black and white lens. And when I got saved when I was 15 years old, I got truly saved. Like I got converted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Jesus really saved me. And I started hearing about the love of God. And I and for years, I could not reconcile. I didn't know how to love my people without hating white people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else struggles with that because I don't. I don't get that from other people. I sense that some people who love their people really love all people. Mm-hmm. I didn't. That's not how I was trained. Yeah. You couldn't love your people and white people, especially because mm-hmm. we were told white people were the devil. Mm-hmm. So, so for years I struggled in that space. I never knew how to come back into a space where I could really be pro-black without being anti. Everybody else, yeah. I mean, you wasn't just you. You just was suspect if you weren't black. Even if you had a white girlfriend. I mean, I mean, it was really, really. Y'all understand what I'm saying, yes, right? Indeed. You were Michael in, in, in good times. times. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Michael's revolutionary. Exactly. So 2014, something happened. 2014, a lady named Dr. Barbara Skinner had Ooh. a course for a yes. clergy, right? So y'all know about Barbara yes. Skinner. So she brings us into this thing, and I. And I was blown away. I took I took I took the course like several times. I wanted first I was asking questions about everything because I didn't want somebody to pull me back into this space where I would be because I can go in there real strong and you get triggered too. By the way, for the first time I met somebody who had a balance, who showed me my balance between my responsibility to engage in work that moves us towards equality and justice in a way that is systemic. But it didn't seem to, and I still have questions about it. So I'm, I'm glad we have guests here today that can help because it just seems like the work is so daggone hard, and it only moves the needle a little bit. Like you know what I mean? Like you, like you sitting in the. So we're going to talk about all that because mm-hmm. that, that's a very. But I'm blessed to have in studio today some really what I would consider social justice servants who are also a part of Zion Church, and specifically they are part of our Zion Church Justice League. I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves and just say one or two things about what you've been involved in in the past or currently do in the community around maybe the social justice space or whatever you do. You may help work with. See, sometimes justice work is going in and mentoring a kid or spending time with kids. So just each of you just go tell us who you are and what you currently do and maybe at some point we'll know how you got involved in it. Let's start to my right, immediate right. Miss Whitney Parnell, which is you, you I said it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hi, I'm Whitney Parnell. I am an activist and founder CEO of a three-year-old nonprofit called Service Never Sleeps. We work tirelessly for social justice by building allies uh, and by day uh, and Mm -hmm. by night. Activist Whitney uh, is actively involved in our local Black Lives Matter chapter. I live in Northern Virginia, so a lot of my activism work is around. things that white supremacy touches in all lenses, not just in terms of blackness, but with immigration, with our Muslim siblings. Um, Mm -hmm. So just really trying to do the best that I can to show up as much as I can from Mm -hmm. lenses of my privilege and my marginalization uh, to push forth love and action, which I believe social justice is. You're going to have to unpack (laughs) at least three things you just said. Say say the last sentence again. What my my marginalization? <laughs> oh <okay>. Lord! Yeah. <laughs> um, make it make it make it plain for Skeeter and Ray Ray. Sure. So that aligns with 
our organization's philosophy, which is building allies. Promoting. An organization called, one more time. Service Never Sleeps. Service Never Sleeps. Just think, tireless no action sleep. for social justice. Active. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so we believe our standpoint, my standpoint, is that when you look at social justice, you can see you can see injustice from the lens of your privilege. So where society favors, favors you for aspects of your identity and experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for example. Can, for example, in my case, as a straight person, as a mm-hmm. cisgendered person, as a Christian in this country, as an able-bodied person, as a mm-hmm. house person, right? Got it. And then through lenses. Some, even that can include educated Absolutely, right? It's okay, so many things, right? Okay, right? Gotcha. Um, okay. And then through lenses of your marginalization, so where you are impacted by the system of injustice. So Got it. Case, my blackness my womanhood yeah. and so I think that that plays an important mm-hmm. role in my philosophy around where responsibility lies to address injustice because mm. my philosophy is where you're marginalized you have the right to fight for your people but also the right to focus on thriving and surviving because it's not you and your people who created the marginalization, right? The responsibility lies in your privilege to really do the work to address the Mm. system of harm, address how you're contributing to that harm, right? To center and follow the marginalized because those closest to the problems are the ones closest to the solution. Mm -hmm. I'll stop there, but all that to say how I show up, right, is is. I think a lot through that lens of where... Where am I to be centered and listened to and where am I to follow, right? Where do I have responsibility and then where do I have conviction in regards to my pain, right? And so um, that determines sort of the movement spaces that I have. But as 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 a calling and my leadership role is really equipping people to understand that concept yeah. with the tools for what it looks like to thus do the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That was a master class. In oh, exactly. Man. Man. I don't know what else we need to um, say. Yeah. I, I was about to say meeting adjourned. Um, <laughs> so I'm Edward Jones, uh, mm-hmm. a 10 plus year member of Zion Church. Yes, and sir. Um, I, I feel that to, to all of what Whitney said, I, I think in my my way I come into this space is that I, I am appreciating the opportunity to have my day job, which is in philanthropy, mm-hmm. um, working for a nearly 50-year-old organization called the Association of Black Foundation Executives mm-hmm. that was focused on black lives for years, right? Mm-hmm. It's been part of that to understand mm-hmm. how you work in a space um, particularly philanthropy that is supposed to be for the love of man that has not looked at race uh, with explicit intent around how do we resolve issues of inequity Mm. how do we resolve issues of lack in our society that we say that we want to have um, fair and equitable to everyone liberty and justice for all and we know it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. so the organization that I work for now and been working in philanthropy for y'all justice for some or justice (laughs) with an asterisk I tend Mm -hmm. to say Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have the privilege of doing that and working in this field for nearly 20 years but being able to bring that work and focus from the like a national lens to the local lens in which I occupy in the place I live a resident of DC um, having been on this earth for 50 plus years and understand where every place I've lived there's been injustice sure and understanding too that what that how that shows up for us is always in this space of saying oh that's too bad the bootstraps analogy, the ideas of all these things that we know not to be fair and equitable in our society becomes these ways of people saying, people strategizing and saying this is how we should move forward, right? Yeah. Did you um, say your name? Edward Jones, yes, I you did. did. Yeah, fault. most okay. people want to make the joke about the the company that yeah, does yeah, financial. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that. I'm not related not to that. Them, unfortunately, Jones. no, I'm not. But I wish I was because then I would take the money that I made yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, give yeah, it to my people. My, my, my. Um, 
But what's important in, in that space is, I think, to the point that you made earlier about how we find ways of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, in, in the giving circle, I also belong to Black Benefactors, which is a local group that's based in the District of Columbia, but we serve and pool our resources for the DMV, basically, to organizations that are often underrepresented and under-resourced, likely Black-led and oftentimes black serving groups. Mm-hmm. We look at that uh, and look at the opportunities in the space as far as justice or other areas. You can always have, you, everyone has something to give. Yeah. It's time, talent, treasure, or testimony in this space. Mm-hmm. And so as I see the the, the, the the day job and then the day, the evening job, I appreciate the idea that we've been able to take this and move it also into a ministry space. Yeah. And the church that I went to, so I attend. Because Oftentimes we tend to compartmentalize yep. mm-hmm. who we are in these spaces and yep. not become not be able to bring our total selves into the work we do. Good. So we may go to a place that we where we work and we don't necessarily feel that it speaks to us, but we need to get that check, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you may go to a school that you you know you have some issues with, but you need to get that degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then you may volunteer in some spaces that you don't necessarily want to donate your time, but you may have to do it for some other reason. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the idea of being able to be in these spaces and occupy them in a way that we are not doing it in a perfunctory way, but we're doing it because we really have a deep commitment and figure mm-hmm. out how we fit in and how we mm-hmm. can use the resources that we have to do that yeah. becomes a part of why this this work exists and how we even came to be as part of the Social Justice League at Zion Church. And you were in Ohio. That's your base, right? LA is actually home. But so LA, you've lived, you've lived in Ohio, right? Yes, yes right. Has it has just is being in the DC area more empowering around justice work because of the, you know, political scene here or or does it really matter? That's a good question. Theoretically, yes. Okay. Um, when I moved to D.C., I wanted to live in a predominantly black city for yeah. all those things that you speak to. <laughs> right. um, the reality check after being here for 30, almost 34 years is that those things evolve and that the center of the evolution has really been issues that have not supported black communities by large. Right. You know, D.C.'s had black mayors, has had black fill in the blank for black Folks, and I remember someone saying in Atlanta that oftentimes we end up having this, um, we may have the, pol- the the political power, but we don't have the economic power, mm-hmm. right? And without the economic power that drives most everything that we do, mm-hmm. then there's there are winners and losers mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And D.C., beautiful city, I love D.C., but I know D.C. and the DMV at large has still not figured it out as mm-hmm. far as how do we live in a more equitable society. Mm-hmm. And people are starting to really nail that and name that as it is, even mm-hmm. from the philanthropic space, from the regional association of grant makers that exists, that's talking about what a, racial equity, a racially equitable community looks like mm-hmm. and posing those questions to get people, whether you're in corporate, private, educate, wherever you are in this space, to ask those questions. And it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't have to be this either or proposition. It can right. be a both and, but you have to understand that we are all in this together. Yeah, yeah. good, good, good. To my left. JRJ, you can skip me, man. I don't know. I don't know what else I could possibly add to this masterclass you're getting in social justice today. Um, but my name is Jason Jones. I'm one of the pastors here at Zion Church. Um, Edward is my is my is my cousin. His cousin. Yeah. <laughs> my 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 cousin. Um, and so I, wow. What could I possibly say after that? Y'all got me all flustered. Um, I do a few things outside of Zion um, in terms of, you know, social activism and being engaged in in process of, you know, accountability and justice. Um, I serve in D.C. Um, I'm a resident of Washington, D.C., native of Prince George's County, grew up in Camp Springs, um, right near Andrews Air Force Base, Um, but moved to D.C. a few years back. 
and decided to get involved there. Um, I serve on um, the um, uh, Violence Elimination Task Force in the city. Um, there's a group of individuals that are appointed by the mayor and the, um, the city council that are working on, you know, violent solutions and trying to actually come up with, you know, plans to eliminate violence and eliminate homicides in the city. Mm. So I've been serving on that task force as, you know, doing a lot of work, doing a lot of research, trying to, you know, determine root causes and actually kind of dig into the issue more from an informational standpoint to determine from a systematic standpoint, how do we actually eliminate violence? What are the causes? What are the what are the circumstances surrounding those that are engaged in violence and how do we fix that? Um, one of the other things I'm privileged to be involved in is the, the U.S. Attorney's Office um, in D.C. actually has a clergy accountability group. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's an interfaith clergy group. So there's people of all faiths, all creeds, all colors. Um, it's, it's a really interesting group. And one of the things that we do is we, we, you know, we get together and we discuss ways that clergy can be involved in some of the initiatives that, you know, benefit 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 our, our our city benefit our community and trying to you know help folks one understand how the justice system works understand their rights understand how they engage in it but also you know how can we prevent people from intersecting with the with the justice system so that's that's something that's really mm -hmm. really really interesting work that i'm privileged to be involved in um for years i you know i did a lot of mentoring i used you know all the way back through high school all the way through college and even through adulthood um, built and run um, mentoring organizations particularly focused around young black men um, had the opportunity of, of um, helping run an organization called um, Rising Stars which served um, students teenagers who were already um, a part of or who had already intersected with the the juvenile justice system so these are kids that actually had pending charges but what we did was sort of provide wraparound services mentoring uh, tutoring financial assistance you know whatever we could do to try and get them through that situation because fortunately if you can get through that you can get through to adulthood without having a criminal record mm -hmm. and what we're trying to what we were trying to do is make sure that they were able to get through their cases smooth so they wouldn't you know sort of reoffend mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, once they became adults which is something that's a constant issue in this area um, so that that's that's some work I was able to do and I was really 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 loved uh, doing and then some philanthropy work just raising helping raising money for causes um, there's some people that have lots of money that they can just throw at stuff and one of the other things you can do is get people with money in the room mm -hmm. <laughs> who, okay. who, mm -hmm. and get them passionate around it and help mm -hmm. them throw money at it at, at issues and able to you know being able to, to do that and you know for me just you know we'll get into this but for me it's been a journey of trying to figure out at just kind of as you said where my faith intersects my sense of activism and and civic you know civic responsibility in terms of what i see in the world and it took me time to kind of explore both of those things mm -hmm. and i'm really thankful that us as a church that you know being able to be involved with the justice league kind of serving as i guess the staff or pastoral liaison with the team yes. how we you know how we can do that as a church and i think that's a really dope thing that we're doing so i salute you for your vision and your passion around it as well sir oh thank you thank yeah, you man. thank you yeah I, I I think what, what you just hit on, what each of you hit on, is kind of one of the questions I wanted to ask on behalf of people who may be listening, who may be either uninformed or underinformed or even misinformed about social justice work. What are some of the ways they can get involved? And I think you said earlier, Edward, 
time. You can give your time. You can give your treasure. You can give, you say, your talent, talent and, and testimony. your testimony. That's good. So, so, so unpack that a little bit for me because I want to, if somebody's out there saying, well, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what can I do? How would you engage that person? Like, I mean, and I'm talking about a warm call, not a recruit. Like, you need to do this. But somebody's literally listening saying, I want to do something. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you, how would you all advise that person to engage in the work? Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you can do it, how would you actually define social justice? Because mm-hmm. you made it clear I'm an activist. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't hear that terminology from you guys, but is there, is there, is there, is there, is there so I know I'm asking a bunch of questions at yeah, the same time, but this is good. What is, what is, what is that, what is that process that you all would recommend, whoever wants to go for that? So let's start with that person listening. This, this interesting, curious. What do I do? Yeah. What do you suggest? So my answer is a short twofold. I try to be condensed. So on the one end, I think it's really important for everybody to take their identity and experiences and do that breakdown okay. of marginalization and privilege, mm-hmm. right? To have a sense of like where you're empowered to feel how you feel and experience the world that you do through how you're harmed by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then through the, also the lens of where am I favored? What do I not even realize I am favored as, right? Because that's privilege. So it's be just more, existing. pay more attention. Right? So like part of it, I think, is having to evaluate where do I have privilege? Because that's where there's some responsibility to do mm-hmm. some do the work. And then what and I... Always, and an example of privilege, like you said, is I'm, I'm educated or I right? have a... I have a good job or I have a platform of some mm-hmm, sort. Mm-hmm. Okay. Relative to that marginalization, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone is white, that's relative to racism. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I always like to break down for people is there's this dope action spectrum that looks like what are the five different types of action that you can take to mm-hmm. address a social justice issue? Really? That looks like from working within the system to trying to dismantle the system altogether. Mm-hmm. So like starting from working within the system, it looks like direct service, right? So like supporting at a homeless shelter, mm-hmm. you're supporting people experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. but not challenging the system of homelessness, Got right? It. So it looks like what does it look like for you to have proximity, connect, support people one by one by one? Mm-hmm. Then it goes down to self-help right Mm -hmm. so like from an ally privileged perspective what does it look like to help lift up and empower people who are empowering themselves so like for example in regards to racism what does it look like for white people to invest in all black business all black banking right Mm -hmm. you see Mm -hmm. so like support people lifting themselves up Right in the middle is education, because mm-hmm. how we learn and how we facilitate influencing other people's learning is just critical to all ends of that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I always say, if you want to do something, you've got to always feel your knowledge, mm-hmm. and especially in your privilege, you can never arrive to most woke, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, all, yeah. there, are you, all, you cannot, you like, right? Like most you just woke. cannot. <laughs> uh, so you've always got to learn. So that's why education is <laughs> right in the middle. Then there's advocacy. I don't really have a filter or a sensor. I like to say I'm nice, but I, I shoot it. I straight. I'm straightforward, right? Yeah. So I say advocacy the best way to put it is five white men make a decision that 50,000 people mobilize to change three white men's minds right so understanding that power to make well, s- huge systemic change ahead, lies Drew, in say that again what five you mean? white men make a decision who are these five white men people of power right okay that 50,000 people mobilize to change three white men's minds Right. So like the idea of advocacy is getting the numbers built to influence power to make the right decisions. Okay. Right. So like that's number four. And then lastly, it looks like direct action, which Mm -hmm. looks like 
Black Lives Matter shutting down an intersection saying nobody gets past here till black and brown lives stop getting killed. We need change now. We're done waiting. So I always say that that's a good place to point people to is like now that you understand where your responsibility lies or where you want to empower your people, here's a tangible thing to think about like where are you most fit in regards to mm-hmm. taking action and where maybe do you want to push yourself to try something new so so when you laid out that continuum right there mm-hmm. and those five entry points mm-hmm. of work or labor mm-hmm. to me the one that seemed and this is just my ignorance like the one that seemed most effective is the fourth one like why was yeah why would because again I'm speaking out of ignorance because you know you probably went to Ferguson you probably went to several of these places where there was because that's kind of when it it really kicked off really big the Mike Brown thing Michael Brown's mm-hmm. killing but how much impact did people standing in the street really have I wonder I'm really being that's an honest question yeah. did when I stand in the road because after a while you gotta go back to work right even the people standing out there mm-hmm. did it really I mean, being real, it, it got news attention, but what what really changed is really what my question is, and that's where I get frustrated. I'm not trying to be um, negative. I'm just being honest about yeah. impact. And when you say you go in and you meet with a homeless person, see what it's like to be them, and you serve, uh, self help, and you educate, and you. Advo- you're doing advocacy like I'm thinking at some point when you did the advocacy you got to a policy maker mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but when you're standing out blocking streets is what well, you got to go back there you hopefully that get you to the policy maker I would get mm-hmm. so help me with that yeah but but so to that point um, the idea that yeah, you're blocking streets for a moment I, I'm thinking because I have a deep appreciation and frustration around our political system mm-hmm. but what got people's attention wasn't someone standing on a street corner, but someone blocking the air, the airways. When when folks were getting delayed in the airlines, when, mm-hmm. when folks were, were having to wait in long lines at the airports, when folks were, were facing issues as far as the, the concern around where does the safety lie, that's when folks started making those phone calls to, to legislators. And the next thing you know, the government's back, back open, open, right? Yep. When people started blocking streets, that gets people's attention. It makes the news, it may fall off the, I off got the, you. the space. So it's just like, get these, on the street right right right, right. it ain't Make really it stop. yeah it exactly stop. whatever they want give them what right. they want and it because and it, and it, it, i'm thinking about the shirt am I, I am I, am I am i am i tracking yeah, it's yeah, kind of like tracking. Not, not necessarily that they really care about the issue necessarily but they care about what the issue has caused them discomfort maybe right and it may be and it may and it may be in a space that their frustration may lie they don't necessarily care about the issue they care about their own so it becomes a very selfish and a very self you know, self-reflective. But whatever, of whatever gets the, but whatever gets the move, point. I got right? you. I and got so, you. when you think about, I mean, that that spectrum in which people can participate, you can find ways to engage in all those things. A lot of times, people get they they, mm-hmm. they hear an issue and they get so frustrated, they almost just emotionally shut down. They yeah. just start posting. They, or they start, Everybody start posting. Well, they start posting, but posting makes it all these areas of yeah. of, of of influence as far as, as spreading the message. It gets to the education piece. Okay. Some people just don't know. Exactly. Right? That's true. If, That's it, true. if it were not for <laughs> the news, we would not have known the name Michael Brown or 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 any of the other names that are on this shirt mm-hmm. or even have even known the issues as it reflect as it relates to someone taking a stand or taking a knee mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. issues and saying this got this has got to stop yeah. but then it becomes this question too of like well when do I jump in 
you know, when do, when do I feel I low enough mm-hmm. to, to influence? What do I, where do I go to learn these things to make me more influential, more able to to apply whatever is my, again, my time, talent, good. treasure, or resources yeah. so that I can help make a difference? Because you can do it in any number of ways you, you help care me. about yeah. the issue, but sometimes getting people to the point of understanding that there is an issue that requires addressing becomes the first I part love it. of it. Yeah. No, that was really helpful. And can that I just really clarify Absolutely. that, like, my my mindset is that some people see that spectrum as a continuum right mm-hmm. and that the goal is to get here when mm-hmm. I'm like my philosophy is it takes everything in the kitchen sink to dismantle this stuff all, right yeah. and so yeah. I'll take every like look Whatever we can't be so focused on making the call that people who are experiencing homelessness now don't get shelter yeah. right and so yeah. my thing is if everybody can just find some sort of lane and we're doing all of it I want to mm-hmm. break past this either or mentality because that's white supremacy making us feel like we've got to choose mm-hmm. and like a liberation framework mm-hmm. looks like all and and both right so it. how do we fit everybody wherever fit so that we're all just doing something yeah. and we see the needle move and pray but hey, act. yes yeah but <laughs> act. because a lot of times people want, and you say this all the time and i, mm-hmm. I was appreciative um pastor matthews mentioned it the other day um, yesterday around the idea of folks you know give everyone you know I'm going to pray for you we're going to pray about this mm-hmm. but you got to yeah. pray but you got to do something yeah. prayer, prayer without works is dead as it were right I think we're we're oftentimes the answer to people's prayers exactly yes. mm-hmm. they're exactly. already praying mm-hmm. yeah that's right you know if somebody mm-hmm. don't have no money you think they ain't praying mm-hmm. that's right Right. I'm going to pray with you mm-hmm. okay so let us both do it that's right mm-hmm. yeah. but could it have been that you were the answer to their yeah. prayers that's right yeah well, who are who would you all say are your heroes in the you know historically or currently in the social justice space who would you say Mm. like that's somebody who and it may be somebody known popular maybe somebody that we don't know about Mm -hmm. who's doing the work that we really need to um who you celebrate who who is that for you jason um i can name a couple so i'll I'll go back um somebody who i always looked up to was julian bond who's um former former head of the naacp Mm -hmm. um really brilliant really bright guy who had great ideas around organizing and sort of systemically um create you know throwing resources and organizing people around issues um Mm -hmm. kind of from that perspective and that and when i think of kind of you know if i looked at myself as like what does my own activism looks like it's more along those lines Mm -hmm. as how do you create an organization Mm -hmm. that consistently works in a comprehensive way to deal with a particular issue Mm -hmm. that 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 always resonated with me and um Mm -hmm. i had the pleasure of actually um at the um at the anita hill documentary a few years back Mm -hmm. i had an opportunity to meet him and he was part of the part of the um, you know, he did a talk kind of afterwards, and mm-hmm. um, I said, I said to a friend, I said, "Oh my God, that's Julia Bond," mm-hmm. and my friend was like, "Yo, go ask him for a picture." So I actually did get a picture with him <laughs> nice. that I looked like this little like cheesy kid, <laughs> and he actually <laughs> passed. And he actually passed not long oh, after, you know, oh, not wow. long after. So it was really valuable. I, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Nice. Um, so he's he's definitely somebody I always looked up to. Um, as 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 you know, some from a theological sense, someone like James Cone, mm-hmm. um, you know, always always was thought provoking. Um, for some reason, we had those books in my house growing up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why we had all kinds of stuff, and that's part of my story. Mm-hmm. But um, just kind of from a theological framework, what does it look like mm-hmm. theologically to create liberation, particularly for Black people? Mm-hmm. Um, that that was somebody I always looked to, and and then I'll, I'll tell you somebody who 
even though he's controversial and uh, he's taken a beating in some ways um, kind of currently but I think Sean King is is somebody who's who's amazing mm -hmm. um, just in that he's been able to take a plat to create a platform from a social media standpoint mm -hmm. and really just use media to rally people around around causes and get them activated in all the ways that that Whitney mentioned mm -hmm. from from sort of the the, the direct service part mm -hmm. all the way to the sort of direct response showing up in protesting he's yeah. been able to do it do the whole spectrum along with raising money along with bringing yeah. awareness and, and, and all of those things and you know be that as it may the fact that he his background is you know he, he used to be a pastor I, I'm, I've been mm -hmm. always intrigued by that and I kind of followed his journey even when he was a pastor mm -hmm. I always thought he was just a fascinating guy so he's somebody that I see currently that's like mm. you know I don't know how many people idolize him but he's somebody I look at and I'm like wow yeah. what he's doing is really cool in mm. space so yeah. he's got informants calling him exactly with information yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well there's, there's so many I mean we yeah. we we tend to think uh, sometimes folks tend to think that we can only have one leader right, right? there can sure. only be one one you know oh, you be gotta one have king. one <laughs> and then it'll always reflect back to king but I mean we have so many contemporary folks that have built upon the, the they, they grew up and lived through what the other experiences are so you you learn from the the, the issues of the kings and the malcolms and mm -hmm. you learn, learn from the fannie lou hamers and mm -hmm. the Shirley yeah. chisholms and, mm -hmm. and the folks and you get people like the sisters that created black lives matter mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. you get the young folks that are doing byp 100 you wow. have the folks that are leading this work as it relates to um justice in the space space like a Reverend William Barber, mm. well, right? Yeah. Mm. Who mm -hmm. has taken this work and it's really, to me, I kind of think it's this whole new generation as it, of, of thinking around the, the Poor People's Campaign, for example, mm -hmm. that, that King died as he tried to launch, right? Mm -hmm. And how um, Reverend Barber, who led work in the state of New North Carolina that moved legislation that changed lives, that continues mm -hmm. to change lives. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it with, and he's not abandoning his collar, he's doing it with his collar. Wow. So that that kind of wow. Wow. is actually what helped inspire me to think about well, what happens at the local level. That's what inspired me to mm -hmm. think and to reach out to um, Whitney. And well, I, actually, before I even met Whitney, to actually reach out to Larry at the church and Toya mm -hmm. at the church mm -hmm. and, and, and think about, well, what does this really mean? And then connect it to, to Sinise. And then the day after the Charlottesville experience, to have Whitney get up on the stage, you invite yeah. her to the stage yeah. and tell her story about her lived experience yeah. in a horrible horrible globally mm. recognized situation exactly. mm. i'm like so this is a sister at my church yes. that i need to know and i'm like reaching out to her and only to find out that someone that told me i sent me an email before saying i need to know who she is and not yeah. even knowing that we went to the same church wow. so the idea of when people are starting to say well who do you look up to we can look up to all these great people that are doing yeah. work but then That's there are good. also people that are right in our own front yard yeah. that are yeah. some in our own homes that we have as resources to help us be stronger through this work yeah nice mm. nice nice edward doesn't tell the first part of our meeting story <laughs> which is that two months prior he was getting an award at the sojourners conference which yeah. is a faith-based magazine and mm -hmm. i had gone up and fangirled him being like <laughs> oh my goodness i am so inspired by all the work that you do like oh can, can i just shake your hand <laughs> and then two months later lo and behold we go to zion so wow. just want to wow. lift that up uh, wow. <laughs> um wow. but so many people uh, not to be cliche, but I want to name Jesus, not to be like, Come on. but because, <laughs> hey, look, yes. people do the same thing with Jesus to me that they try to do with MLK to right, like clap right. back quickly, right? That's Where they're right. like, you need to be like Jesus, mm. right? Which means don't speak truth to power. Mm. Any black woman who, who mm. shoots it straight, right? Mm -hmm. That that thing comes to which mm -hmm. I'm like, 
You want to talk about, I see Jesus as an activist. Right. If you think about how his whole life was about promoting love, which mm-hmm. I see social injustice is the lack of human love, mm-hmm. humanity mm-hmm. love, right? That's good. Promoting wow. love, being willing to die for it, mm-hmm. right? Being able to speak truth like no other. Mm-hmm. Jesus was an activist, right? Yes. right. Harriet Tubman to me, I wow. think she is everything. I think she yes. represents black womanhood mm-hmm. and endurance and how the fact that when she, even when she became free mm-hmm. to try to live her best life, she chose to keep going back to free other people mm-hmm. to face danger and mm-hmm. death every day mm-hmm. because she understood that none of us are free until all of us are free wow. and i think that she represents so much of what black womanhood means in regards yeah. to that mm-hmm. sacrifice for everybody that yeah. she is a pedestal for me so many people from the civil rights period looking at today like britney packnett i always yeah. say, I tell britney i'm like i want to be you leader mm-hmm. of the ferguson movement yeah. uh one of the very involved in Black Lives Matter, really great at stewarding people into speaking truth, but also speaking about privilege. So I look up to that. Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think she's amazing. Wait, say it again. Yeah, she's a, that's great. She did, <laughs> she did, the, she did the Hispanic <laughs> run. <laughs> she's, uh, that's an activist who now has sure. power, yeah, like, yeah, right? Yeah. And then I just also want to name just so many uh, two things, right? Like people who are literally putting their lives on the line for the sake of justice like so many of these immigration rights activists Mm. who are dealing with DACA who are undocumented who are Mm. taking steps forward knowing that could mean their deportation their detention but standing up and Mm. then like all those unknown faces of the crowds that make up these movements that are Mm. showing up right the ones Mm. who are doing this not to get the name recognition Mm. but because it's right and so I think there's just so much inspiration like Edward was saying to just Mm. draw from so many people showing up regardless of whether or not they're getting the recognition for it wow. and to that point pastor um these people that are doing this work and they i mean they are putting lives on the line they are putting their resources whatever they have on the line they're not doing it for fame or fortune they're doing it out of the passion for the work right but mm-hmm. the important part of all that shows up as well as when people are simply saying what can i do support them yeah. yeah. Write a yeah. check. Click on the donate button. I mean, if they have an organization, <laughs> if they have, a, if they have an existence, find ways to give back to them. Because one of the wow. things, a lot of times it happens where people get really caught up and frustrated. And the first thing is, I want to start a, I want to create a. Mm-hmm. But what is in the landscape? What's right, in your yeah. region? What yep. other organizations can you align with that so you don't have to have 500 Black Lives Matters? You can just have maybe a, a chapter based network, mm-hmm. but figure out how you can plug in to, and help enhance, advance the work of issues that you mm, care about yeah. without getting so caught up in trying to create right a whole other thing that gets confusing and it just muddies the water. And I and, and, and just in, in, in addition to that, going mm-hmm. back to kind of how people get involved, just speaking up about the things that you're passionate about. Mm. I, you know, one of the things that happens for us a lot, just Pastor Battle mentioned it earlier, is that people come to us pastorally and say, hey, why doesn't the church do this? Or why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? To which we very often respond, well, why don't you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's an opportunity right then and there for you to begin sort of moving on your personal activism mm-hmm. journey right. when you're personally convicted about something you know usually that means is, is God trying to convict us about something that we need to be moving on mm-hmm. or something that we need to be active in and trying to solve mm-hmm. so I think when when that happens just encouraging people and those in leadership providing opportunities and kind of a platform for those who are passionate about things to kind of use their gifts and begin getting involved and active in the things that you know God convicted them about so right. I think that's another way that people can get involved oh, you're sure. do you ever get discouraged in this work daily <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that may not be the right thing that people want to hear but 
I think it's actually really important to name. Yeah. I don't talk a lot about what I saw in Charlottesville that day, but the process afterwards, like it's it's been an important recognition for me to allow and acknowledge and validate discouragement, mm -hmm. right? Because I remember after Charlottesville, I felt like after the sensationalization was over, that people were sort of over it and wanted me to be over it too, mm. right? And I felt like I was trying to heal for the sake of people needing um, knowing knowing that my brand is that of positivity and energy, right? Mm -hmm. People couldn't handle the fact that I was so profoundly changed, which mm -hmm. I still am, right? Mm -hmm. And so sort of landing in the fact that, no, the work that we do is so hard where I'm seeing black and brown death and harm regularly. It's almost offensive to be like, oh, it's okay, stay positive. Mm -hmm. Like we need to feel and yeah. endure that that is not how humanity should be mm -hmm. and that I think the visionary in me is like, humanity doesn't have to be like this, right. but it is. <laughs> um, so I think that there's a real importance of being discouraged by, by what is and letting that motivate to keep doing, doing, letting that acknowledge like self-care is necessary so I need to recharge to get back to the work. But discouragement comes with this and I think that what's important for people supporting activists and supporting people doing this work to understand is that like whatever it looks like to su support people in that discouragement, acknowledge, validate is more helpful than saying, well, if you're doing this work, you should, you need to stay positive for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge the humanity that this is discouraging work. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we work towards a world where then that discouragement doesn't need to exist? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's so dangerous to not understand these issues of self-care and the understanding of, of how we must re, re, replenish and nourish mm -hmm. our spirit in this work. Mm -hmm. um, I think two, there, was so, there have been so many stories mm -hmm. of young activists that did not have any affiliation mm -hmm. with yep. any kind of a, a, a spiritual or faith yeah. source that have taken their own lives. Yeah. Not withstanding the fact that people are being killed, but the idea that they just yeah. can't even, they have no place to go for this. It's a place, they hit and, a hopeless wall. Right, yeah. right. And on my way here, it's so funny that I listened to the radio and, and the song that was, it was like, you know, one of the old, old women, sisters talking about, Lord, don't move my mountain, give me strength to, to climb, mm -hmm. it becomes this idea of thinking about how do we really, we, mm -hmm. we're human, so we're going to be discouraged, we're going to be yeah. frustrated. Things are going to frustrate us all the time, but how do we respond to that? Yeah. I always remember Pastor um, Jeff, his, uh, years ago, this sermon he did about, you know, your response is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. I, that, that sticks in my head. It's probably one of the most memorable messages I've ever had yeah. because it does give us a thought about how do we really react to any of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, how do we really move? And either we either we either have a response mm -hmm. or we don't. But what making that response something that's meaningful that will make a difference is the, the optimal way to go. Right. If you if you. There, there's been talk over the years, and I know we're running out of time about over the last few years, that the differences between the civil rights movement and the Black Lives Matter movement. Do you all agree that there are differences? And if so, what do you think they are? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you, 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 you know, we'd be lying if we said we were in the in the throes of the civil rights movement. None of us are old enough to have. We didn't. We weren't on. We probably weren't even around when they marched from Selma and stuff. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but you've studied it, you've researched it. What do you say, what, what are your thoughts on that when they're compared? Do you think that's I, a divisive thing or do you think it's a fair so, assessment so, to, 
to evaluate the two? I think it's a fair assessment, but I think it's often used divisively. Okay. Um, I do think is I do think it's realistic, of course, just because there are so many different tools that allow people to be activists in sort of their own small sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's you know a lot of people comment now about you know when things happen, you know what are you going to do? Post about it. Well, that that's an important thing that we have available now. That as Edward said earlier, that helps bring awareness to issues. And that helped me. And that, I'm always the one to say stop posting and do yeah. Something. And and the other thing that I think that I think that, that 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 exists now is that there's more of an opening for people that are just kind of getting, uh, you know, the term is getting woke, mm-hmm. but I say you know people who are becoming aware of of issues that are that are kind of out there that now there's more of a space there's kind of a lower bar entry in in a sense that you know what I can research I can get on Twitter I can right. I can I can learn and follow certain people and Tamika Mallory and you know Brittany Packnett and some of these other folks that are in the that are doing the work and see what they're talking about and see the issues that are going on and sort of that's a place where people can enter mm-hmm. and that I don't know if that was available to the extent it is you know to the extent it is now sort of in the in in the civil rights movement of the 60s um, I think there's less of an emphasis on direct response in terms of physically showing up. Um, but I think it's because that the, the digital age has changed how we do everything mm. and thus is sort of adjusted how how even, you know, in the activist space, how we respond to things. So I think it's I think it's accurate. I think we use it to say, well, you, you know, you're not uh, doing doing as much work or you're not as passionate or you don't care as much or you're not as invested when the just it's just that the investment looks different than That's it right. did then. Yeah. How do y'all? How do yeah, see yeah. Y'all see it the same? I mean, I'm, I'm actively involved in Black Lives Matter. And so I, I think the, the big things to break down briefly are that, one, we see the civil rights period, well, I'll say I, I don't want to speak for everybody, as a template, mm-hmm. right? We so. know we stand on the shoulders of giants who yep. did amazing things and endured. And I think what's different is that it's an all tactic as opposed to one choice, right? So there's MOKNX in there and everything mm-hmm. in between. <laughs> right. It's about mm-hmm. everything. There's that. I think a big thing to note is that like the civil rights period was about getting certain legal rights, right? right. To mm-hmm. vote, desegregate. Mm-hmm. Well, Black Lives Matter is addressing this systemic virus That's that good. focuses on policing and the prison industrial mm-hmm. complex, but like this virus. So I think it becomes thus harder for people who aren't affected by racism to understand sometimes Mm -hmm. what the problem is Mm -hmm. Um, and then lastly what I'll say too is that I think that the movement recognizes the role of black women Mm -hmm. that we've played throughout this history Mm -hmm. and are lifting up black women's leadership Mm -hmm. which is I think a very very important thing Um, and so you know it's all of that where ultimately we're, we're just trying to stand on the shoulders and carry the torch in alignment with how things have proceeded and evolved um and that lastly look i think what's so hard for people for white people to hear the word black lives matter is that anything with the word black in it sure is threatening mm-hmm. right. yeah. and we've really embraced saying we are black and mm-hmm. systemically we don't seem to matter and so i'm realizing so much of my work sometimes looks like since i'm in white spaces a lot training being like look I'm involved in Black Lives Matter and see, we just ate dinner together right. and we're okay, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. I think it's the humanizing the movement yeah, that yeah. is awesome. And You're one of them. Right, right? and like, yeah, what yeah. I love about the tactic, the last thing I'll say, is that um, Van Jones talks about in 13th, how look, they killed off all the civil rights leaders. They yeah. targeted the leaders to yeah. stop the movement. Right. Black Lives Matter can't be stopped because so anybody so can join it, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's a tactic. Like, you mm. can't stop this revolution. Yeah. I'm a pacifist, but I call it revolution. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what's really special about what we've got going on good, right now. Yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, c- c- and so 
we do, I think we underestimate just how important, sometimes underestimate just how important the civil rights story is because mm-hmm. it's undertaught in our school system, sure, right? 100%. But you have people around the world that have used that as their template in order to, to, to seek justice for whomever they are, mm-hmm. uh, irrespective of gender, race, space in this world. Mm-hmm. And so because it's been kind of kind of devalued in this Mm -hmm. country. It becomes, you know, Black History Month or, you know, the Martin Luther King Dream speech without understanding all the other speeches that he's given around equity as far as economy and and all these other things. We tend to have, have kind of you know, put it on a nice little shelf, right? Yeah. The the Black Lives Matter folks, they too are a global movement. They have gotten global attention and people are using that playbook as well. So what becomes really important is understanding not the fact that we we don't have to compare because we can always compare ourselves to death, right? The idea of understanding where is the life in this work and how do we we use, it's like with any good team or any good corporation, they use the best of what's going on there, the history as a way for them to build um, better strength in the future. Yeah, great, great, great. Thank y'all for being here today. Really appreciate it. That time really went by really quickly. Um, we'll hopefully we can get y'all to come back again. Sure. Hey, meanwhile, if people want to get in touch with y'all, want to follow y'all on social media, tell us how to get, how, to, how can they connect with you, Whitney? How can they get to you? I'm your one millennial that kind of stays off social media, uh, but you can follow Service Never Sleeps. Service Never Sleeps. <laughs> uh, uh, Service Insomnia, that's Twitter. Service Never Sleeps um, on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Service Never Sleeps. Yes. And the Zion Network, we have a Facebook page. Um, the Zion Justice League DMV exists. Okay. Um, my own contact is um, Congo's Dad on <laughs> Facebook and on, on um, what am I on Twitter and, and all these other places? Edward Jones, Congo's uh, Dad. Congo's Dad is my Twitter handle, and um, also just using social media, but using social media for good. Yeah, you yeah, know, for yeah, us to yeah. use it as information. You do yeah. educate people a lot on there. Yeah. What about you, Jason Jones? Yep, Jason R. Jones on Twitter and Instagram, J. Jones on Facebook. You can find me there. All right, y'all. Thank, Thank you y'all so much, so much for being you. with us this day. Check us out. Give, give us some feedback. Go to SoundCloud, YouTube, all them little places and follow us and let us know. Thank you. Let us know what you think. And uh, thank you again for joining us right here on the Keep Battle Podcast.